being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, I'm Ron Barr, and this is today's edition of Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. Nice to have a good friend back with us here on Sports Byline. Bob Costas joins us, longtime NBC sports broadcaster, who has been inducted into the broadcast wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Many times he's anchored, of course, NBC's coverage of the Olympics, and he has won many, many Emmy Awards for broadcasting. Also, he's a multi-time Sportscaster of the Year award winner. And now Bob is back doing something he is very good at on HBO, interviewing. His show is called Back on the Record Again, and I want to recommend that you watch it. Bob, first of all, I've always found that there's something captivating about an interview, television or radio-wise, that grabs the viewer or the listener. What is that? Well, I think you have to have a subject, both the person and whatever issue or uh, aspect of his life or point of view he or she is talking about. The subject has to be interesting, but the person doing the questioning has to not just ask good questions, but I think, especially in a long-form situation, bring something of him or herself to it, not to dominate or get in the way, but to be able to respond beyond a list of questions. So it feels as much like a conversation as a scripted interview. Is there a different challenge between doing interviews on television rather than doing interviews in an audio sense? And I say that because the audio sense, you can elongate those interviews and no problem there. But usually in television, there has to be a limit in the time that somebody can respond or you can ask a particular question. Yeah, the clock is ticking most of the time uh, in television. A seven-minute interview, let's say on the Today Show or some comparable program, is really long by network television standards. Luckily, I've been able to seek out little patches of ground where that doesn't apply. The late-night show I did on NBC in the late 80s through the mid-90s, the later program that followed David Letterman, those were half-hour conversations, which, minus hello and goodbye and the commercials, amounts to 22 minutes, with an interesting person. And if that person was worth carrying over, we do, too. We do back-to-back with them. So you'd have 44 minutes. That's an incredible luxury by the standards of network television. And then when I've been on HBO, uh, right at the turn of the 21st century and back now at HBO, uh, again, there are no commercials. Uh, they're not looking over your shoulder saying, hurry up, hurry up. 
They don't assume that the audience has the attention span of a flea, uh, that if it's interesting and done well, that they'll stick with it. So I've been able to seek out those places. But by and large, Ron, you're right. Radio formats and now podcasts allow a lot more space, a lot more depth, and you can take chances. You know, when the clock is ticking and you've got maybe four minutes for an interview, five tops in many situations, you can't afford to say, you know, there's one chance in five maybe that this leads to something interesting. Let me try it. Because if the four chances in five, which is the probability, turns out to be correct and it isn't much of anything, well, you've used up the time. Whereas if you've got your format here and you want to ask me an offbeat question, and it turns out I haven't got an entertaining or interesting answer, so what? you got plenty of time. It's just a small percentage of the time. But when that clock is ticking, you pretty much have to stick to what's absolutely pertinent and what the audience absolutely expects. So you can't take as many chances, and therefore you don't get as many quirky situations or surprises. Have you found that within the first four answers, you can tell what kind of interview it's going to be? And do you think that the person can tell within the first four questions from you what kind of interview it's going to be? Yeah, I think so. And over time, and I'm sure you've found this out yourself, Ron, doing this as long and as well as you have done it, uh, the interview subject, more often than not, comes to it with some sense of who we are and what the format is. Uh, And so, therefore, that person should be geared for the kind of interview uh, that you and I like to do. When I was just starting out with the later program, many of the guests knew me primarily as a sports announcer, and they might have had a favorable feeling toward me in general. But then I had to kind of win them over. And I think what did was that I had such a good staff. The researchers were so good, uh, and I was willing to dive into that research. And if in the first few questions the person gets the idea this is not the same boilerplate interview that I've done 50 times before. I can't do this on autopilot. I need to engage, and I want to engage, because this person respects me enough to have put in the time. I'll respect him and this format and this platform enough to give it the best I've got. One of the things I've always enjoyed about your work, Bob, when it comes to interviewing is is that you also find the human side of the athlete or the person you're interviewing. And I think that's important because uh, the average person who listens to sports or is interested in sports can't relate to how somebody hits a home run or somebody hits a three-point shot. But you've always been able to connect uh, the audience to the, the real person. Tell me a little bit about how you developed that. Well, I think it's just a general sensibility um, an interest in absolutely the nuts and bolts and the statistics and the factual particulars of sports, but also the stories that surround it, that give it its shadings and its texture. I've always been interested in that. And one other point that may seem obvious once I make it, but might not have occurred to many people over the years. If you're talking about a network sports presentation, especially the biggest events, the NBA Finals, the Olympics, the World Series, or the baseball playoffs leading up to it. Yes, you're pulling in all the rabid fans who are watching all the regular season stuff closely, but you're also addressing millions of people who come to it only for the big events. And so you have to draw them in with some things that are of interest to them, and to a certain extent, you also have to bring them up to speed. And so I understand when right now 
fans of the Braves or the Astros who followed them all season long are saying, hey, Joe Buck, I knew that already. That's obvious. Yeah, it is, because you live in Atlanta or Houston. But it isn't obvious to 90% of the audience. It's new to them, or they need to be reminded or brought up to speed. And that's the difference between the proper assignment of a network announcer and the role of a local announcer who has an entirely different uh, relationship with his audience. Back on the record again is the name of the show on HBO. It is outstanding. I urge you to check it out. Uh, What is the philosophy for that show? Well, I think the name of the show tells you that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. The show I had on HBO (laughs) for several years um, right after the turn of the century seems odd to say the turn of the century, right? <laughs> Most of our lives, when we said the turn of yeah. the century, we're thinking of the Wright brothers and a Model T. Well, it's the turn of the 21st century. Uh, and my show on HBO for seven or eight years, whatever it was, was called On the Record. And we started kicking around, what should we call this? And I, they had a bunch of people in marketing and whatnot. They submitted like three dozen names. <laughs> and I just walked into the room and I said, back on the record. I'm back, back on the record. So that's pretty much what it is. There, there are a few changes. We didn't, uh, we didn't do exactly the same thing, but substantially the same thing uh, back 15 years ago or whatever it was. Uh, and the idea is uh, we want it to be entertaining. Uh, there should be some humor in it, and I think we've gotten to that several times already. And there should be some uh, biographical stuff, depending on who the guests are. But every show has some element in it that's issue-oriented, and it ends with a full-blown commentary. Uh, The original on-the-record show sometimes had maybe two-minute commentaries at the end or somewhere within it. But now we end. I'm not comparing myself to Bill Maher, who I admire greatly. And, of course, in addition to making good points, Bill is very, very funny. Um, But like Bill Maher concludes with new rules, we conclude with a segment called Consider This, and it's a commentary that I write, and I've got the leeway to have it go four or five minutes. We've got 90 seconds before we have to break. Uh, You know, when you take a look at sports, uh, when you and I started, there certainly weren't some of the issues that we have to talk about today. And I'm just wondering, how has that changed the process of interviewing and, and questions that people ask? Because it is different than what it was 15, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, it's different in many ways. And unfortunately, everyone has to be aware. I don't think it should handcuff you, but you have to be aware that what you're doing in the moment, trying to do it with some measure of nuance, and some measure of context, is apt to be taken out of context. That was always a risk. We've both been quoted out of context in newspapers and traditional mainstream media. But now with social media and everybody looking for clickbait, you could do your best to thread a needle very subtly, and it will still wind up um, someplace or other being misrepresented in the most gross and unsubtle way. And you've got to be mindful of that to a certain extent, but I don't think you can just change everything you've always done. I'm more or less doing it the way I always have and let the chips fall where they may, and I hope that people who are part of my audience kind of understand that the rabble and the noise out there in the ether isn't always accurate. In fact, more often than not, it's not. Bob Costas with us, of course, longtime NBC sports broadcaster, also a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame in the broadcast wing. We're talking about his show back on the record again. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about today's athlete uh, because they have changed a great deal and also the landscape 
of sports has changed as well. We'll do all of that as we continue across the country and around the world. We've got you on America's sports talk show, Sports Byline. You're listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Bob Costas is with us here on Sports Byline, and he's back on HBO, and his show is called Back on the Record Again. Be sure to check that out. I alluded to the fact that athletes have changed as well. They've tried to take control of their their message and what they want to say, which is a lot different than what uh, 20, 30 years ago it was. Tell me a little bit about how you see today's athlete and how they interact with the media. Well, they're all on social media. They all grew up with it. Uh, it's not something that arrived at some point in their life. It's been in their life from the beginning. Uh, many of them, uh, just like much of the populace, feel as if they should comment on every random thing that occurs to them. And the upside to me seems very small. And the potential downside, and we see it every day, of tweets you have to delete or things you have to explain or what's the point of all this, the downside for a prominent public figure, I think, is much larger than the upside, but that's the world we live in and the world that they have grown up in. And as the money gets greater, especially for the marquee stars, they don't really need the media that much to get a message out. They have their, their own platforms. They have Derek Jeter's Players' Tribune. They have relationships with sponsors that brand things for them. Uh, I think there are still a good many athletes, active athletes now, who make distinctions and appreciate uh, the mainstream media platforms that are worthy of their time and respect. But as you say, Ron, it is an altered landscape. But luckily, somebody like me, in the, in the little cubby holes in which I find myself, 
for almost 40 years at NBC and now doing things as I wish on my own terms at HBO. Um, I'm still able to do what I've always done pretty much in the same way I've always done it. But it's not possible for someone who's just starting out now, uh, age 30 or whatever it might be, to follow the same path, exactly the same path that you and I followed. We're kind of, if you'll pardon the expression, you and I are grandfathered in. <laughs> You're right about that, Bob. Uh, also, I think that the media has changed in the way they approach athletes and the type of questioning that they have of those athletes, and they've kind of been forced into it. And it was very interesting to watch COVID because instead of being in the locker rooms, instead of being around the batting cage before a ball game, that wasn't possible. When you look at all that has happened, certainly within recent times, what do you see that you like or are concerned about? Well, I'm concerned with members of the media, not the general public or people just trying to promote themselves, but members of the media, especially younger people just coming into it now, whose measure of success is how many Twitter followers they have or regard their audience as not being able uh, to deal with something that's more than 256 characters or not caring about the quality of the writing so much as how many clicks it got. Uh, I've had writers, newspaper writers, say to me, you know, the editor used to say, that was a good story, but you needed another quote from the coach. Or on the news side, you needed another quote from the mayor or the police chief. Now, and I'm quoting this guy directly, I won't name him, but a prominent, longtime sports writer said, you know, now what you hear more often than not, that was good. It got the second most clicks of anything Now, there's nothing mutually exclusive about getting a lot of clicks and quality, but they ought to be synonymous. And there's a disconnect now with that. Another thing that I has noted that uh, we crossed over from being in reporting games and giving good analysis, and it's more uh, entertainment oriented. I think probably Mm -hmm. more so in uh, talk, radio, sports talk and everything. Uh, how has that changed the coverage of sports, do you think? It's so much more heated. And because everything is 24-7, 365, on television, round the clock, on radio, you know, the first all-sports talk radio show, or station, rather, uh, didn't exist until WFAN in New York in 1987. Now every market, large, small, and in between, has many options uh, that are, that are 24-7-365, there just isn't that much material that's worthy of the kind of energy and state of agitation that drives these shows. I'm not saying all of them. There's lots of people who are very good and take a more measured and thoughtful approach. And being measured and thoughtful doesn't mean you have to be boring or somber. But you know the distinction I'm trying to make. But most of these shows run on some measure of outrage. And sometimes I'm watching these debate shows, again, not naming any names, and I'm looking at two, three guys, usually it's guys, in their 50s, middle-aged men, and I'm thinking, are there really a dozen sports topics a day that the average middle-aged man is all worked up about every single day, Monday through Friday? Come on. You know, modulate this a little bit. Every now and then there's something worth really you know, really going off on. But most stuff isn't. Come on. 
Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Let me switch gears a little bit because with the introduction of the NIL for college athletes, yeah. uh, I was concerned about it, and I think you probably are as well because I'm, I'm thinking about the cohesiveness of team effort. And if you have a quarterback who gets a large, there was the Oklahoma quarterback who was given two vehicles by uh, a dealership uh, there, but he's not even starting now. I've often wondered about what about that offensive guard or tackle who says, you know, if I don't give him enough time to throw the football, that he gets the completions and the touchdowns, then he's not going to get anything uh, in the NIL. Uh, Is that something we should be worried about going forward, about that aspect of this? I think to some extent or another, it's inevitable, but it's only an amplification of what already existed. That tackle or guard was never going to be the big man on campus the way the quarterback is, never going to get all the adulation and attention and perhaps the pro prospects. Uh, so there's always been that, uh, those kind of different levels uh, of reward in college sports. And now uh, with the NIL aspect, uh, colleges who once said, you know, we can never have this, now that it's there, they're embracing it and utilizing it. Uh, when they recruit kids, part of what they're selling is we have a very sophisticated relationship with the local community. We can set you up. And that isn't just the potential Heisman candidate that they're selling that to. That does include, in many cases, the guard or the tackle or the, the second-string wide receiver or point guard. Uh, it's, part, it's part of the recruiting. Um, the, I guess the early evidence is that college football fans don't care. As long as it's Auburn against Alabama and the atmosphere <laughs> of the stadium is the same and it all feels the same to them, at least on the surface, they really don't care. We've got about two and a half minutes left, and I want to kind of crystal ball with you because both of us have been around this business for a long enough time. We've seen where it's come from to where it is right now. Think about 10, 20 years down the road. Where may sports casting be? It'll be minus me and you, probably. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I really, in in a certain sense, I feel good about it because, especially when it comes to play-by-play, Think of the good, young, play-by-play people. Think of a guy like Joe Davis, who succeeded, not replaced, he could never replace Vin Scully, but who succeeded Vin Scully in the Dodger booth and does baseball and football on Fox. The guy's only in his early 30s. The nuts and bolts of what he does is essentially the same as what Kurt Gowdy did back in the day or anybody you want to pick out. Same thing with a guy like Jason Benetti, who does the Chicago White Sox games with Steve Stone. The nuts and bolts of calling a game well, maybe the frame of reference is different, but heck, my frame of reference in terms of pop culture was different than Jack Buck, who I worked with when I was in my 20s and he was in his 50s and 60s at KMOX. But so too is his son Joe Buck's frame of reference, different from mine. That's natural. But the nuts and bolts of what makes a good broadcast, if you look at it properly, I think they're still the same. I think where the stark differences are, as we discussed earlier in this conversation, is in the interview formats, the talk radio, the debate shows on television, uh, on cable TV, and on the Internet. That's where the stark differences are. But in the game coverage itself, not that much different. In about 40 seconds, what will technology do to reporting sports? Well, it's already done it. 
Uh, it's all speed. Who can get out there with it? You know, breaking news. And some guy who you've never even heard of. You and I, we do it for a living. I've never even heard of this guy. What, it's breaking news that, that he has a hamstring pull and he can't play against the Falcons? Stop everything, honey. Wait a minute. I can't come down for dinner yet. i got to digest this information. So I think it's already, it's already happening. It's a bombardment of stuff. And, in fact, when I've called games, Ron, this is one of the things I say. There's so much information now. And I've always been a sponge for information. But you have to be discerning. What among this torrent of information actually makes some sense, tells a story, or illustrates a point? Or does it really matter, even though the nugget is here, to say this is the first left-handed hitter for the Oakland A's to hit for the cycle in the last 18 months? Does that mean anything at all? I don't think it does. Bob, I want to thank you, my friend. You've been very kind to me over my career, and I have really enjoyed the moments we've shared. Take care. Come back again and join us. All right, Ron. Be well. Thanks a lot. Bob Costas, again, uh, in the Hall of Fame, the broadcasting wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. We continue with more of you in Sports Byline. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Kurt Warner joins us on Sports Byline, the former NFL quarterback who played 12 seasons for the St. Louis Rams and Arizona Cardinals, and his career which saw him ascend from an undrafted free agent to a two-time MVP and Super Bowl MVP is regarded as one of the greatest stories in NFL history. He's also been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His story and outstanding career is now a movie, and it'll be coming out at Christmas called American Underdog. Kurt, first of all, thinking back on your life and the struggles of your career, how mind-blowing is it for you to be seeing this into a major motion picture? <laughs> um, it is pretty humbling. Uh, the journey that we took and, and 
the distance that we traveled and the time that it took to get there, um, it's pretty amazing to think that, uh, you know, you can still think back to those moments uh, in those times where you're just asking yourself, man, will you ever get the opportunity? Will you ever get a chance to, to fulfill your dream? And then you fast forward 20 some years and you find yourself, uh, you know, watching your, your story play out uh, on the big screen. Uh, it is pretty surreal and it is pretty humbling uh, the distance that we've gone, but I'm so grateful for so many people along the way. Uh, you know, the people that gave me a chance, the people that supported me along the way, um, you know, the, the story that we have you know, for a long time. Uh, I wish it could have been anything but the story uh, that we had. I, I wanted it to be different in so many different ways and, and prayed and believed that, you know, something could change because I didn't want to go down that path. And now you sit back and you, and you reflect on it all. And you see the movie and you, and you say to yourself, man, I'm glad I got the path that I had. I'm glad I, I had to be on this journey. And I'm glad that this journey has the opportunity to impact a lot of people because, um, you know, what you realize in life is very few uh, go from number one draft pick to, to, you know, the Super Bowl or, you know, to, the, uh, to, to winning a Super Bowl. That most people in life have their supermarket moments, have their times when they find themselves in circumstances that they – didn't want to be in and didn't know how they got there. And they've got to figure out how to move forward from there. Um, and so my life, I believe, is much more like real life for most people than the dream that I had. And that's the reason they're making a movie about it. And that's the reason I think it will resonate with so many different people in those different stages of life. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that and humbled for that. And we're excited about being able to share that story. Uh, with everybody else. Let me ask you a question, Kurt. When you think back and when you sit and reflect a little bit on your life and on your career, character and drive were the two things, having known you for a long time. Uh, I'm just wondering, what was it that fired, you know, inside of you that gave you that character and drive? Um, you know, that's one of those things. It's, it's, it's hard to know exactly where all of those things come from. Uh, I think our... The, the people that were around in life that, that shape us. Um, so my parents, and I think there's lots of different ways that my parents shaped me. My mom was a single mom uh, of two. She worked three jobs at times. She did everything she could to give us uh, what we needed and, and you know, tried to give us what we wanted and the sacrifices that she made. Um, my dad, there was, uh, you know, a, a relationship there where my parents got divorced very early in life. And there was a time there where we, didn't get to spend a lot of time together. And so there were some things that I learned about uh, the kind of person that I wanted to be and the kind of father I wanted to be during that period. My dad came back into my life and was an unbelievable dad in the way that he supported me and the way that he loved me and, and the things that he did for me. So there's the people that, that kind of shape who you are and teach you things. There's the experiences that you go through. Um, you know, the, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, um, where you have to kind of navigate through and you have to grow through those experiences. Otherwise you get stagnant and you can never be who you want to be. And so as I was going through all of those different things and those different parts of the journey, I think one of the keys for me was to try to learn from all of them, try to take something from all of them, the people and the experiences, um, because ultimately I believe that I was going to have to use all of those things if I was ever going to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish or ever be who I wanted to be. And so 
I look back very grateful for uh, for all of those things now, even though I might not have been grateful at the time. I look at how those things shape me and those relationships shape me, um, and I think those are the heart of of who I am. Um, you know, the values I learned being in Iowa and being around good, hardworking people. Those were the things that uh, that ultimately shaped me. They ultimately allowed me to work through everything I worked through, but maybe more importantly. They allowed me to be prepared for when the opportunity actually came about for me to chase my dream. The person that I was is, is the reason that I believe I had that success way more than it was about the player that I was. After playing your college football at Northern Iowa, you spent four years without being named to an NFL roster, and then you signed with the Green Bay Packers in 94, but released before the regular season, and after that release, you worked, as most people I think know the story, stocking shelves at the Hy-Vee grocery store in Cedar Falls for $5.50 an hour. My big question is, what aisle could I find shredded wheat cereal on? It was aisle seven back then. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the same now, but it was aisle seven back then. <laughs> you had some great uh, coaches uh, at Green Bay there. You had Steve Mariucci, Andy Reid was there, of course, Mike Holmgren. When you got into football and you got to know the game a little bit, what did you find was the major thing was the difference between success and failure at pro football? Uh, to me, it's the details. Uh, it's the details uh, because so, everybody's talented, right? Everybody's you know, good and the best of the best uh, from where they came from when you get to the NFL. Uh, to me, the greatest that play in the game are the ones that uh, are really, really good at the details. And, you know, that can look a lot of different ways. It can be the technique part of it, uh, you know, honing in and being really good at the details. It can be the mental side of it, uh, the details of, of knowing what everybody on defense is doing, what everybody on offense is doing, and knowing those details. It's knowing the details to the point where when you have three seconds or four seconds to do something, to be able to take all of that stuff that we talked about, put it into those three or four seconds, and be really, really good at all of them. Uh, that, to me, is, is what separates the greatest from everybody else, um, you know, in what I believe is the greatest team sport there ever was. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think um, if you talk to anybody or, or spend some time with anybody that, that's great, uh, that you, would, you wouldn't realize how, how important those details are to them and it's something that you know the beautiful part is it's something that I take with me to everything that I do is that I don't do a lot of things because I want to be great at everything that I do and the biggest thing to me is to make sure I'm always paying attention to those details you played three seasons for the Iowa Barnstormers of the Arena Football League and then you got the opportunity in the NFL you landed your first NFL roster spot in 98 with the Rams tell me about the first time you met Dick Vermeil. Uh, well, I mean, the first time uh, I met Dick uh, was at, wasn't even really at my tryout. I did my tryout for the Rams and didn't uh, didn't even meet Dick at that particular time. So it was once I had signed with the Rams and I came back from NFL Europe and um, got a chance to meet him uh, when I went to a mini camp that we had. And the amazing thing about Dick is that uh, who you see is who you get. And, yep. you know, there's never a secret. So from the first day that I met Dick Vermeil uh, to, to today, uh, the guy hasn't changed. He's a guy that wears these emotions on his sleeve. He's a guy that's always going to be honest with you. 
He's a guy that has the best interest of everybody he's in a relationship with. He's got the best interest of those people at heart at all the time. And uh, that, to me, is what makes him beautiful. What makes him a great leader is that he's never in it just for him. And I realized that very early in the process. Um, I've learned, I knew that throughout the process and, you know, all the, the conversations that we had and all the calls that he made and the way that he still continues to reach out to this day. Uh, just an incredible, incredible human being. Um, and just, you know, it's why every player that ever, ever played for him was willing to lay it all on the line for him because they knew he would do the exact same thing for them. Let me ask you about the three Super Bowls. The first one, number 34, of course, with the Rams. It was against Tennessee. What do you remember most about that game? Um, I, you know, I remember the ebbs and flows of the game. Uh, it was probably the biggest lesson that I learned is that we got into that big game, um, and you realize there's going to be highs and lows in every game, uh, no matter how big the game is. And, you know, we jumped out to a 16-0 lead, and then we found ourselves tied 16-16, and then we throw the touchdown pass to go ahead, and then you watch Steve McDeer and company drive all the way down the field uh, and basically just run out of time. Um, and so the ebbs and flows of that game, to me, is what makes uh, anything great. It makes a great movie great. It makes a, a great game uh, experience great, is having those highs and lows and the ups and downs. And that game had every part of it, including the exhilaration at the end of that game, because uh, we were able to make that final stop and, and walk away with the trophy. I know how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl and also to win it. Uh, you won uh, your second league MVP award in 2001. That was en route to Super Bowl 36, your appearance there uh, with the Patriots. The Patriots win that game 2017. What was the most frustrating part of that game for you? The most frustrating part of a game like that is to go all the way to the pinnacle, all the way to the top of the mountain, and put in all that time and all the effort throughout the season to to find a way to get there and then not play your best game in the biggest moment. That was the most frustrating part is that if you go and play in a Super Bowl and you leave your best out there and the other team beats you, you can walk away proud of yourselves and going, hey, on this day we just weren't the better team. And you tip your hat to the other great team and you walk away. In that game, I don't feel like we at any point in time played our best football. And so – it almost felt like a lost opportunity to do all the work and everything to get there and then to not put it together on that Sunday um, was frustrating. And you still tip your hat to the other team and, and the way the Patriots played because obviously a big part of us not playing our best was because of them. But uh, that was the hardest part and why that game probably has stuck with me more than any game that I've ever played um, because you always want to be one of those players and one of those teams that play your best in that moment, uh, and on that given Sunday, we did not do that. We have about two minutes left. You appeared in another Super Bowl forty-three uh, when you were with the Cardinals, and you lost that to the Steelers 27-23. But this movie, American Underdog, is as much about you and your career and your journey as it is about the relationship between you and Brenda, your your wife. Now, she is a former Marine. We're heard worldwide on the American Forces Network with the troops. Talk to me just a little bit in this short period of time about her in your life? Um, well, I mean, she's an incredible woman, and that's one of the coolest things about this movie is that it's not just my story, it's our story. And people are going to get and see, I believe, 
uh, a different perspective on Brenda in this movie than they've ever had before. Uh, you know, a big part of my journey in the NFL, she didn't really ask for it. She came along for the ride and she was thrown in the forefront of everything and never really asked for it. So it was at times a thankless position because, uh, you know, she was subject to whatever anybody wanted to say at that particular time about her. And this to me gives us an opportunity to share who Brenda Warner is and the character and the strength and the courage and uh, her underdog story and, and her perseverance and, and all those beautiful things that I fell in love with are all intermixed in this movie. And, um, you know, I said in this process is that at the end of this movie, I don't want to just be the only hero in this movie is I want to make sure that Brenda and our son, Zach, play that hero role as well. And we get to uplift them um, and their journey. And I, I do believe that is going to be something that truly resonates with our audience. Um, no matter where you find yourself, you're going to resonate with one of those heroes in this movie. And I'm really excited about uh, people getting to see Brenda in that light, um, you know, having her background in the military. I think a big part of you asked where my character came from, a big part of who Brenda is came from her time and the direction and things she learned being in the Marines. And so, uh, so grateful to have that cheered on the big screen. So grateful for all those listening that are serving our country. So thank you to each and every one of them. We, uh, we, are, we are truly grateful and humbled for their service. Well, thank her for me as well. And thank you, Kurt. I covered your career. I've always enjoyed it. Congratulations on this movie. Take care, my friend. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Again, Kurt Warner, former NFL quarterback, went to three Super Bowls, won the one with the Rams when he was playing with them. And, of course, he's considered the NFL's greatest undraft player. And if you want to check out this movie, it's a good one. It's called American Underdog. We continue across the country and around the world. It's good to have you with us here on America's Sports Talk Show. You have been listening to Ron Barr's Sports Byline USA podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.